Ugh. Anyway. All right. Lux, you want to say hello? And you know, Craig, you're kind of like my toilet after a night at Taco Bell. Ooh. You're telling me he gets destroyed, does he? Uh, it's yep. A good, it's a good yeah, thing, isn't they... How much Taco like, Bell up here? Yeah, like, let's say that soon thing. They talk about Chipotle. Yeah, they. They have you seen the memes of and the Chipotle and logo? They being posted on a in a picture of a toilet with flames coming out of it. I have not, but again, Chipotle is not really a thing up here. Like we're familiar with it, we know it exists. But I mean, I think in Ottawa, which I mean, we're not the biggest city in Canada, but like Ottawa is a million people. It's not small. Um, there's only one Chipotle that I'm aware of. Uh, at a shopping center in downtown. So, yeah. In the yeah, they like, kind of like, they, within, like, when it comes to things like donuts, like, you have Tim Hortons, but down here, like, yeah, they, and they, they all talk about Dunkin' Donuts, but the best place for donuts down here would be Shipley's. Really? Yep. Shipley's has really good donuts. All right. I, I always thought Dunkin' Donuts was kind of like a Northeast thing, like up in like Massachusetts sort of area. Like, yes, it's a national brand, but I feel like it's more of a, a Northeast sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's sort of my understanding. Um, all right. Let's... Yeah, uh, but like, to be... Oh, of course, like, I will mention, though, is that, you know, they, they, that's just for like a chain and a donut shop, but they, down here where I live... Like the best in a place for donuts is a in a small independently owned in a donut shop called Enjoy. Yeah, like, we have nice, yeah. Like, yeah. And basically, like it's in like ever since in a, I've lived here in Burleson, they it's always been ran by this nice little Vietnamese family. Like they make the best donuts. Yeah, and they are yeah. very nice too. Oh yeah, we have some lovely like independent donut shops that have started popping up around town too. Like there's one here in the town where I live, and a bunch in Ottawa. And they're lovely, like they really are, and like they're independent, and they're small, and they and like they make like designer donuts. They're so much nicer than the stuff you get at Tim Hortons, which is just cheap commercial garbage. So yeah, there's no comparison. There really isn't. Like so, I would I would have one of those specialty designer donuts any day. My favorite is like the maple bacon donut. Oh my gosh, maple bacon donuts. Like it's like all the worst things mushed together in a pastry and just fed in your hole. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Maple syrup, bacon, and donut? Oh. Yeah, you know your heart is just going to stop eventually if you eat enough of that. Yeah. Stuff. Like, yeah. Wash that down with a like double-double and you're good to go. <laughs> like, anyway. Alright. Are we ready? Yep. Here we go. <clears throat> Hi, and welcome back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. It's episode 129, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing just fine. Excellent. Good to hear that. I, I'm sorry that uh, the Cowboys got bounced on the weekend, my friend. Uh, I bet Dallas, uh, once again, has gone into depression um, because the Cowboys got beat again. At least it was a good game. Like I have to give you that much. Like it was, it was a, it was a, a, a one heck of a game. Uh, yeah, like the, it was a good game, but the outcome was nothing new. Like, well, it's, they, it's always the same thing. They we needed the Giants to lose, but unfortunately they won. So the Cowboys had to go up against the 49ers, who they have a losing streak against. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, and your quarterback sort of did what your quarterback does in high-pressure games, which is make mistakes that he shouldn't make. Whereas the rookie playing for the 49ers didn't throw any picks, right? Like, when he doesn't throw an interception, the chances of your team winning go way up. Just That's just how it goes because, I mean, I would. I think I'm pretty sure it was 9 or... Nine or twelve of the of the forty nineers points came off turnovers, and like that's that's all the difference right there. Like that's that's the ball game. So anyway, hopefully, hopefully the Cowboys don't decide to blow it all up, and because I think there's a lot of good to be had with that Cowboys team, um, and they're they're going to be uh, going to be a good team for years to come if they can keep many of those pieces together. But you do have to start questioning whether they got they've got the They've got the the materials there to really get over the hump and uh, and get yourselves into the Super Bowl and a shot to come home with a championship again. But anyway, it was an exciting game. Like I was checking it out here at home. Yeah, they, it was exciting. Yeah, they, we have a winning team, but unfortunately, they the key players. Unfortunately, they they're going to need a stern kick in the butt and get their stuff together. Well, see, I always ask this: like, would you rather have like your the team you have now? Or would you rather be in a situation like, I don't know, like, also, perennial also-rans, like, you know, like, the not Jacksonville, but the uh, Carolina Panthers. Like, they're a perennial also-ran. Or, like, the Atlanta Falcons. Right, yeah, Falcons. Like, they're always, like, like, like 6 and 11, or 7 and 10, and they're never good enough to get anywhere. <clears throat> but, like, they're not bad enough to, to, to warrant a first round, like, a top five lottery pick. And so you're like, well, you are just good enough not to win a top pick. Would you rather be the Falcons or would you rather be, like, or would you rather be the Cowboys? I think, like, at most fan bases would say I'd rather be the Cowboys. And, uh, I mean, if there's anybody who's an Atlanta fan out there, I'm sorry. I don't mean to disparage your team or anything. But, uh, you know, you're, you know it's true. Like, those on those few occasions where Atlanta's had a deep run and made big, big noise, they can never seem to follow it up and sustain it year over year where I'm thinking the Cowboys have got the materials that they can sustain it next year and be right back in the same position or ready to to run it back uh, and hopefully to better success. So, I mean, maybe next year... The, you know, they, oh, go ahead. Yeah, but they, I will say this, though. I am pretty sure that game would have gone a whole lot differently had it been played on Monday instead of Sunday. I also because think, if I think, you notice... Yeah. Like, I'm just saying, like, the Cowboys, they tend to do better when they play on Monday night versus Sunday night. Yeah, and they also had, they also did play on Monday night the week before, meaning they had one less day of rest and just a little bit less prep time. Like, it doesn't sound, it's not a big excuse in the playoffs. Like, you just, you still got to win your game. But, yeah, you're, I think you probably would have been right. I think if they had played Monday night, that would have been a different story. Um, I, I Maybe next year, too, maybe the Eagles aren't so good or, you know, you have a chance to... To, to win out play and avoid teams like the 49ers like yeah they maybe next season like the teams that they need to lose lose their games like yeah. the giants yeah so anyway all right let's move on we got lots to cover tonight uh yep. so uh we'll have to we'll maybe have to have an nfl podcast some night where we can <coughs> reminisce over uh how our teams uh whiffed some nights uh uh definitely have lots of bad beat stories because um, my favorite teams, well, one of them is the 49ers, which is, I mean, I was grew up as a kid watching Joe Montana and Steve Young play, but my other one was the Miami Dolphins, and they went, sort of, went right in the tank this year. It went, started off so great, and then went, <clears throat> so, uh, 
yeah, we will. Maybe we'll have an NFL segment coming up some in some week coming. If ever the powers at Wizards of the Coast decide to lay off the previews, so uh, all right. But audience, if you like what you hear over here at the Epic Experiment Podcast, you can check out all of our back episodes at thelotuscouncil.com. Lotuscouncil.com is our home on the internet, and that means you can find any of our back episodes there. But you can also find any of the other cool things that the Lotus Council is doing online, uh, including uh, YouTube videos. They've got a Twitch stream where I know there's a box break opening happening. I believe it's on Saturday for Dominaria Remastered. Um, and there will be other cool things going on all the time. Um, always, as always, check out the Discord, which is uh, the link to that is in our show notes. It is free to join and is a uh, fantastic way for you to get in contact with a community of players who love magic. Uh, many of them love EDH and uh, just generally have a great uh, great community of, of active people who can help you improve your game and help you uh, fine-tune your deck and just be generally very positive and friendly to meet. So come on in for yourself and check it out. Uh, we are at thelotuscouncil.com and come and join the Discord. All right, thanks so much, everybody. Uh, we, I guess we're going to move on to our three segments tonight there, Lux. Ready? Yep. <laughs> Alright, so first off, tonight, segment one, we're going to have a story time with Lux, because Lux has been, Lux has been had a hankering for a particular card for a couple of, couple of months now, I'd say, and, uh, finally got there, and we'll have our garbage or great, as usual. Segment two is going to be filled with, uh, more previews, including some cards that I think are absolutely ridiculous to be printed. I cannot believe that they got printed. And then we're going to have uh, a quick look at this week's deck, which is a new commander from Dominaria, sorry, uh, Phyrexia All Will Be One, and it's called Vishgraz. Vishgraz is a doom hive. All right, so are you ready, Lux? Yep. All right, first things first. <laughs> Lux, we're going to have story time with Lux. Now, audience. Let's go back in the Wayback Machine. Lux was really looking for a particular card. And he was having a terrible time tracking it down. Lux, what card was it that you were looking for? And this card in question it was Mishra Claimed by Gix from Brothers of War. So Mishra Claimed by Gix, which is the one that melds with the Dragon Engine to turn into the giant, terrifying... Whatever you want to call it, it's a nine-nine, right? It's like just humongous. Yep. Yeah, Mishra lost to Phyrexia, and it's got piles of abilities. It does gross things. Now, the problem with this particular card, our audience, is that Mishra's rather what's the word I'm looking for? Popular. People like him. I think. I think the fact that he got put on Command Zone, and he look, and it wasn't just any old schmuck playing the Mishra deck, was it? It was the as the nope. professor, and. Mishra looked awesome with the professor, right? Would you agree? Yep. He Big looked time. so good. So I'm not surprised that Mishra is hard to get a hold of because he looks he looked he got such a big such a big splashy entrance um when he came when he sort of landed. And he's hard to track down, isn't he? I'd say so. So what were the lengths to which you went? To get yourself a copy of Mishra. The, the area I live in here in Texas like, is referred to as the DFW area, Dallas-Fort Worth. I had to search nearly every single LGS in this area 
And when I finally found him, I was able to actually get him at first because there was a condition that had to be met. The person who had them wanted a specific card, but they could not afford it. And since I wanted the card that he was going to trade for it, I had to buy the card that he wanted. And <laughs> yep. But hey, they, when you're after a certain card and you can't get it anywhere else, you'll be willing to do whatever you, oh, it takes I, to get it. I, I absolutely get it. You're desperate for the card, and so you're going to make another deal to go make it so you can go and swap. All right, I gotta ask, what was the card you went and had to go buy this buy this particular? individual so you could make your trade complete and they, this one will shock you i don't know in in old lamog lamog no old lamog oh like og lamog yep lamog uh infinite gyre so he wanted he wanted this particular card holy jumping this card's come down in price an awful lot, hasn't it? Yep. Double Masters pretty much crushed this thing. So, yeah, well, like that, like that's the effect of getting reprints. Yeah, so, okay, so you trade an, inf- an Ulamog the Infinite Gyre to get a Mishra claimed by Gix. Oh, I mean, that seems pretty fair straight up. But that's, uh... That's, uh... Wow. <laughs> That's quite the trade, my friend. And so, what was that? Did you spend the whole weekend working on that, or like an afternoon? What was the story? And I spent a couple of days. Couple of days. Oh my goodness! But yeah. dude, yeah. Well, I'm glad you tracked it down. The card is super cool. And uh, yeah, and honestly, like, like I was really desperate to get one because like, they were like it's been sunsetted already. Like on the limited resources, they eventually the people are going to stop opening Brothers War in favor of Phyrexia All Will Be One. Yeah, well, that's and, that's that, that's the inevitable cycle of things, right? So the vast majority yeah. of the Brothers War packs have been opened as people have been building their collections and building decks with it. And I mean, there's going to be more open over the next eight months, a year, whatever. But the vast majority of what's been opened. And thus, the vast majority of the Mishras have already been cracked. So, yep. I mean, and as that cracking of Brothers War packs starts to dwindle down, so too will the amount of Mishras be in circulation. Yeah. So I think it's probably for a, a wise choice to pick it up now. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty cool. I mean, it's probably it's pretty cool that you're able to get to get one tracked down. Um, makes it for uh, makes for an interesting. Uh, Interesting addition to your deck. Now, do you have a deck already with him and with Mishra in mind, or is this going to be a brand new deck? And this might be a, a brand new deck because he seems like the kind of card that would be perfect as the commander instead of just in the ninety-nine. Uh, I won't disagree. I, I I am a big fan of Mishra as a commander. I uh, I had a I had a Tybalt, or Valky deck, I suppose, a Valky deck. Um, so Tismic, Cosmic, whatever. The crazy, crazy cool Tismic. Uh, uh, Tybalt. Um, and I wasn't satisfied with how the deck was playing out. So when I ended up, I ended up was being fortunate enough to get a Mishra in a pack. And so Mishra and the Dragon Engine now are the commander and 
ancillary product that you want for your for the commander for that deck. But that's pretty cool. I like the story, and I'm looking forward to your Mishra deck so we can preview it for the audience here on our show. All right, garbage or great time. This card, uh, yep. oh boy, this card is hot garbage. All right, we have the card Prismatic Lace, which is a from a card from Mirage. Now, Mirage was a long time ago, wasn't it, Luck? Yes. So, Mirage was a really long time ago. And one of the things I've learned about Mirage cards is that cards from Mirage that are really good are really expensive, aren't they? Yep. This was not expensive. What does that tell you? Well, it basically tells you all the eating and out. That it's is, hot garbage. That is hot garbage. So let's read it. All right. Uh, one blue for an instant. Target permanent becomes the color or colors of your choice. Yeah, that's what it does. It's a 93 cent. <laughs> I'm not even sure if it's a rare or not, but it's 93 cents for this effect. Um, do you want to know how many copies of this ex are have been reported on EDH Rec? How many? There have been 422 decks out of over a million that have reported <laughs> a prismatic lace. And, um, like, there is literally one commander that I can presume really wants to play. I know here on the screen, when I, if you go to EDH Rec and check out uh, this particular card, Prismatic Lace, there are three commanders that show up. But there's really only one that gives a hoot, really. And is Orvar. Orvar is like, the only card that, ca that cares about this. Yes, Dromar the Banisher appears. Yes, Blind Seer appears. But I think the most... You know, the mo a, those are commanders from a million years ago. They're from alliances, <laughs> like which is old as dirt. So nobody's running around with a Dromar the Banisher deck or a Blind Seer deck. They're likely to run into an Orvar the deck. And Orvar would love to play this because it makes copies of stuff. But, yeah... Friends don't let friends play this card because it is just otherwise such a miserable non-card to put in your in your ninety-nine. So, um, Lux, is there any other big way to evaluate this card where I think it could be good? Nope. Oh. I just don't see any. They, I just don't see any way. No, I just don't see any real application for this <laughs> other than in an Orvar deck. But unless you're the Orvar deck, this is hot crap. That's why the Orvar deck can get it and get it cheap because nobody else wants it. So, how's that for a thought, folks? It's terrible. Yep. All right. So I, that's that's garbage or great. We've come out now. Yeah, like I was gonna say is that like speaking of older sets, during my search for Misha at one of the LGSs that I stopped by. I happened to pick up a couple of goodies. Oh, what'd you find? I managed to snag me two booster packs of Onslaught. Two booster packs of Onslaught? What'd that run you back? Do you really want to know? A little bit. I, got, I mean, that's like a long time ago now. That's the one with the gears, right? No, it's not. It's a spider. What is Basically, they... For these two booster packs, I could have gotten me a booster box of a current set. Oh! Ouch. Okay. That hurts. They, well, they, you know, they these sets are really old. Like, you're not going to be getting these things for cheap. 
No, I didn't think we were getting cheap. Oh, what was on? Where was onslaught? Onslaught, oh, stronghold, Exodus, versus sagas, the gears, Arcadia masks, Nemesis, prophecy, invasion, apocalypse, Odyssey, torment, judgment. On yeah, it's a spider. Okay, it's like a spidery thing. Okay, onslaught. Cool. Well, good for you, sir. I mean, that's pretty spicy. That is pretty spicy. Let's see. What are some, some some of the best cards in this particular one? Well, oh, please tell me you're just setting them aside for like another day when you can do some cool stuff. Yeah, they. Yeah, like I haven't opened them. You're a good man. I was just saying, like, I mean, like seriously, they they a set like that, like. Of course, I'm not going to be opening it. No, no, those get put away into this in the safety deposit box for ten years from now, and you can resell them again. Yeah, yeah no, that's cool. That is very cool. I was very excited because um, two weeks ago I had my secret layers, the 30th anniversary secret layers that are full of all sorts of fantastic sweet cards, arrive. Which finally, so much for getting them for for Advent. If I want to use them as an Advent calendar. <laughs> But at least they showed up. And then this past week, you know what I got show up at my door? I had my I had right. Optimus Prime and Megatron show up. Yeah. So the Blight East. the Blight Steel uh Colossus and the Dark Steel Colossus um as Optimus Prime and Megatron show up, which were again, uh as any of you are aware, it's like my personal like my personal weakness to Transformers is, is well is well documented at this point. I'm pretty sure that it, when when Wizards goes back to printing more Transformers, and let's be real, they probably should because they own the, the IP. It's got to be a lot cheaper to, when you own the, the the IP already within Hasbro to turn them into Transformers <laughs> cards. Because I would love to see Jazz. I would love to see Wheeljack. I would love to see uh, Ironhide. I'd love to see... A whole bunch of these cards get get printed. Shockwave would be cool. Um, Thundercracker and Skywarp and all those cards turned into like all those Transformers turned into actual cards. Devastator. Oh, De sorry. Yeah, they yeah, like that would be sweet to see. Yes, yes, it would be. But I mean, you know, like maybe like have like like two cards that meld into it, and so they you know, part of the condition. It sacrifice a couple others. Well, I think like Devastator would have to be. You get have to get put all the all the Constructicons into play, and then you can turn them into Devastator, which is like an, an obscenely difficult mechanic to actually do, unless each Constructicon could go and tutor another Constructicon out of the deck, which I think you could do, right? Like one, if like you go and yeah, they. Yeah, they that seems like something they would fit their constructicons. Yeah, like kind of like you go, they go and tutor, they go tutor for the next piece, and then you go to the next piece, and the next piece, and then you assemble all six of them, and they make Devastator. So, one thing that people often forget is that lots of the com the combiners from Transformers were five robot units. So, uh, Superion and Bruticus and Menacer and all these ones, yeah, I'm now nerding out like for Transformers folks, if you're ever doubting it, they often had five robot combiners, where they have one large central one, and then four smaller ones to, for each of the four limbs. Um, but... You know, like, I did this really cool idea. What's that? 
And basically, like you get Optimus Prime, and he melds with a an artifact, and they you and, and uh, switch them over, and they combine into Primus. Ooh. Then you get Megatron Ooh. with the same thing, and he combine <laughs> and he turns into Unicron. Oh, that'd be fun. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. All right, sorry, folks. We're just talking Transformers and turning into magic cards here. So yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Excited to see my cards show up. Um, I have to say the thirtieth thirtieth anniversary cards look super sweet. I had a I got a, getting the the foil the foil Deathrite Shaman and a foil Arclight Phoenix, which are like super pretty. They look so nice. So anyway, okay. Enough said. Okay, uh, let's get into some Phyrexia All Will Be One previews. So tonight's well, first card is oh boy. She's back. We got a Traxa Grand Unifier. So a Traxa Grand Unifier is three green, white, blue, black for a 7-7 legendary creature Phyrexian Angel. And then with it has Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, and Lifelink, like you do when you are an Atraxa. <clears throat> so here is what the rest of the text on, she, on Atraxa says. When Atraxa Grand Unifiers enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And this is what's really interesting, is they have the card text, card types including Artifact, Battle, mm -hmm. I haven't heard of that one before, Creature, Enchantment, Instant Land, Planeswalker, and Sorcery are card types. They forgot Tribal, but... Um, Battle is a new card type that they're making reference to here that they haven't made reference to anywhere else before. So, let's talk about the card, and then let's talk about what we think Battle's going to be. What do we think of Atraxa? I mean, honestly, they... I'm pretty sure they... they seriously, it's Atraxa and all thing. People are going to find some way to bust her open. Just like they did with the OG Atraxa. See, I don't think this is this is breakable. I really don't. Um, so, you know, in most decks, if you get to seven, you get to seven mana, and those that's a very restrictive mana cost. Let's be real. You're going to spend a small fortune in assembling this Atraxa's mana base to in order to cast her. But you're going to hit, let's say. And 10 cards, arbitrarily, you're at somewhere between 2 and 4 land, and you can only take 1. I would argue you probably catch, again, 2 to 4 creatures, if you're typical, like most, most typical commander decks. If you're a creature-heavy or creature-centric uh, strategy, you would have you know, 25 to 30 creatures. <laughs> you're going to hit 2 to 3 creatures. You might hit an enchantment in a couple of instances or a sorcery. So you're probably drawing what what on average? Three to four cards, you think? Mm. That sound right? Probably. So seven mana, mm. seven seven, draw four cards. Would you play that? And honestly, and I I wouldn't, but you know there will be people that will do it. Yeah, like I don't think the rate's terrible, because like this is not dissimilar to Damia the Stone Sage. Like, Dammy of the Stone Sage is 7 mana, and it's not a 7-7, seven, seven, and doesn't have flying and all the other text. But Damia says, like, on like, when she enters the battlefield, like, you draw up to 7 cards. So if you had 3 cards in hand, which would not be an unreasonable expectation, you could fill your grip back up to 7. 
So, you know, you're getting Damia for sort of the same cost. Uh, you know, seven mana for draw, seven mana creature plus four cards. I think I'd rather have a Traxa. The problem becomes that this is an expense, like, this is difficult to cast, which each of those mana, mana costs. And at seven mana, there's going to be times when you really can't afford to have a Traxa leave the battlefield because she died. Can you? Like, how many games do you think you're going to get to 9 or 11 or 13 mana to be able to recast a Traxa multiple times? And not very many, because odds are by the time you actually get to it, someone will have a way to like, like get you out of the game. Yeah. So, I think she's cool. I really do think she's cool. I don't think she's going to be as oppressive or as scary as we think. Um, because I think they've gated her at you know seven mana with a very restrictive mana cost, making her going to be something that people are going to be able to find a way to address. If you can't find a way between the three of you and your pod to deal with the player who's playing a Traxa Grand Unifier, what are you doing? Go and play some removal. Simple as that. But she's pretty cool and a big old card draw engine. So now let's come back to this idea of what battle might mean. What do you think of battle? And honestly, like I think I am thinking it might be somewhere along the lines of like goad, where they it, in and a they it fights in and a target creature. Mm, maybe I was thinking more along the lines of like some sort of mini game, where like like first first one of you and your opponent to play four creatures win like wins and then you get you get rewarded by something and your opponent wins a reward but it's significantly less than if you had because presumably if you're casting a battle sort of card then you're able you're looking to to leverage that to some sort of advantage you're going to get paid off for it more than if your opponent taps into it i mean i don't know exactly but that's what i'm sort of, sort of thinking it's some sort of mini game like who hits like eight mana first who hits you know who has a, a board of five creatures of different you know power and toughnesses um like that's going to result in like sort of an interest some interesting deck building constraints that i think people might want to take into account as they're building decks with battles i mean that's something just my prediction i i mean i don't know whenever it comes out later this year in 2023 i'm looking forward to it but um i'm also a little bit uh I, you know i'm a little bit apprehensive about it because it's just um you know, anytime you add new mechanics to the game, you're really opening yourselves up to the potential of having it go badly. Um, right? Like, there's lots of examples of it going badly. Yeah. So, you, you, you meddle with the foundation of the game, and you could very easily find yourself in a situation where you've pushed this mechanic, and now we've got to errata it, or uh, nerf it, or, you know, we do what we did to the companions to it, where we, we errata it to go and change the, te the oracle text on it. So... Anyway, it's fine. Like, it's interesting, but uh, I think Atraxa and the battle ability are just going to be interesting side notes, I think, on the whole. All right, what do we got next? Next up, we have Sword of the Forge and Frontier. Oh, boy. Go ahead. Ding. 
For three hidden and a check, you get an artifact and equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and from green. Whenever an equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of her library. You may play those cards this turn. You may play an additional land this turn. Equip two generic. So this is you know a continuation of the of the story <coughs> cycle. Their audience has been lots of them. Yep. Um, a lot of them came from Mirrodin and uh, New Phyrexia generally, uh, but now they're slowly adding more swords yeah. to sort of round out the complement of of swords. Yeah, because like the last new one that we got was Sword of Sinew and Steel from Modern Horizons. There was, uh, Sword of Hearth and Home, the green white one, was the last one we got. So I can. Oh yeah, and like I actually forgot yeah, about that so one. So there's like we've had Truth and Justice, which is the blue white one that blinks and proliferates. I think uh, there no it doesn't blink; it proliferates and something else. Um, there's Sinew and Steel, which is the black red one. There and there was Hearth and Home, which is the green white one, which is all all sort of come out in the last you know let's call it four years, making them far more contemporary than the other ones, where it was like Mind and Body, <laughs> War and Peace, Fire and Ice. Light and Shadow, and Feast and Famine, which were the other five. So now we're at nine. There's one more, which I believe is the blue-black one, which we still haven't seen yet. Um, what do you think? The ability, like, so protection from red and green, I think undeniably are good abilities. I think green is probably the one you care about most because lots and lots of decks are running green. Green is a very green has increasingly been among the most powerful and popular colors in uh, in Magic. The last, I don't know, uh, I would say at least, you know, three years. I'd, I'd say, like, the top two or three colors that you'd want protection from are blue, black, and green. Yeah, and so you're getting green with the making this is, this is a desirable impact on, on your board state. Um, you know, so, you know, I just, you know, that, that alone is good. Okay, um, so we then you get when you connect, you have to you get the impulse draw where you you exile two cards, then you can cast them this turn. What do we feel about that? That just seems like good value, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? And then you may play an, an additional land this turn. That's never bad, right? Like, there's going to be times. Yeah, go yeah ahead. they. Yeah, they. Well, it's like you were saying, you know, they, they. It it always and uh, helps to have that extra land drop. Absolutely, and so that allows you that if you exile off the top of your library, you can play it. Or if you exile two, you can play both lands off the top if you haven't played a land er earlier in your turn. Yep. Meaning, like you can do a lot of good with this. So, I I think it's a pretty solid one. I think there's going to be decks that don't want it. You know, for sure. Like there's going to be decks that are going to be like, nah, we're okay. We don't need this this turn this sort of card. But there's going to be lots of decks that I think are going to take are going to play this card because the effect that it has if you can connect is pretty powerful, and yeah, I just think it's good, good card. I don't know what else to say. It's I'm not I'm not down on it at all, not even slightly. All right. Next we have, uh, if I can, my computer will load it. We have Tyranax Rex. So four green, green, green for a Phyrexian dinosaur. It's an 8-8, and it says, this spell can't be countered. Trample, Ward 4. So 4 generic, and then Haste. Toxic 4. So this is the first time we've seen Toxic materialize on one of these cards. 
cards. Which, you know, if you whereas so this particular creature deals combat damage to your opponent, uh, it will deal uh, four toxic counters to them in the form of counter uh, poison counters. So, what do you think of our Tyranax Rex? And I'm sold on him. I want him. Yeah. He's just big, isn't he? Just he's like big mana, big mana yeah. guy. Um And he's purely ingrained, so yeah, like and uh, you're not gonna be hurting for mana to cast no. him. But let's be real folks. Like this card, if you can stick him, is gonna be good. He's gonna come down, he's gonna be hasty, he's gonna be big. You can't you can't you can't counter him, and that means, you know, those of us who are listening and uh you know, we're gonna have to yeah, like this guy is just a house to deal with. Just a house. Toxic four too. That's a big old whooping of it. But it's he's so expensive. Like this kind of feels like Carnage Tyrant. But Carnage Tyrant like took some steroids and got bigger. Um because this is just Yeah. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> this card is just Yeah, like the steroids had an extra effect yeah. too. <laughs> he got some horns and spikes on his back and he's a bit of a nightmare that way. Yeah. Um I mean I'm imagining this is probably going to go in like, like probably pretty gr heavy green decks, um, more so than anything else because of the high, the high mana cost. They, like, they, they either like in mono green decks, but I can really see this going perfectly in a Sultai deck. Oh, I don't think Sultai, but I definitely think Simic. I think a Simic deck for sure, um, where you're looking to have like this is like big top end and. You know, the nice thing is that, like, because of that trample ability, you're almost, almost assuredly going to be punching Tyranax Rex through. So, I mean, yeah. I think it's fun card. It looks big and scary. Um, it doesn't have Hexproof, thank goodness, but Ward 4 is kind of like having Hexproof, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. No, I like Tyranax Rex. I kind of like him. I think... And uh, I think you're right. I think I'll be looking to put him in a deck or two if I can get a copy. Uh, right now he's a little pricey at the fourteen or fifteen dollar mark, so uh, probably will pass for a bit. But we'll see if his price comes down in the next couple of weeks. All right, next up, next. Oh, this card is cracked. Go for it. And we that we have Mondrek Glory mm, Dominus. Sure do. For two white white legendary creature Phyrexian Horror four four. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many of those tokens are created instead. One and then two Phyrex white Phyrexian. Sacrifice two other artifacts and or creatures. Put an indestructible counter on Mondrash Glory Yikes. Okay, so... <laughs> Sacrifice two other So, here's the story. You play Mondrak, and Mondrak is, like, is anointed procession on a creature. Correct. Uh, so, so now anointed procession. Like, so it's going to double you, double you the number of count, uh, tokens you have on the battlefield, which is good. And then with those extra creatures, you can make it indestructible and making it really difficult for your opponents to remove it. And I'm sorry, but that activation cost is a travesty. Could you imagine your like you your you know, whatever, your office or your whatever. Um, so Mondrak here costs a single white or a single colors mana because you can pay four life. That's not even, that's, that's a trivial amount of life in a commander game. To have an indestructible 4-4 and winter possession. Like, like, come on. That is just, um, 
This card is very, very good. And there'd be lots of decks who want it. Like, yeah. And of course, you know, like, in white, you know, like, you can basically just go ahead and pay that life because odds are you're going to have a way to get it back. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you're going to give you, you're a ways to recur Mondrak, um, for sure. Not a, or, and recur your, and, and get your life total back up to where it's supposed to be. Do all those things you want to do. You know what card plays really well with this Mondrak card? You put Mondrak in that Myrel, who is the uh, Soldiers Matter card from uh, Dominaria Remastered, who makes high. Oh, is it Dominaria Remastered or Brother of War? Anyway, she's like a 3 4 for 4, and that whenever she attacks, you, you get to double, the, or you make you make token, 1 1 soldier tokens equal number of soldiers you control on the battlefield. And very quickly, she can go out of control if people can't stop her. Um, and with Mondrak, you're just making your deck go crazy even further. So, yeah. Seems good to me. All right, this one up next. We have Capricious Hellraiser. So, three red, red, red creature, Phyrexian Dragon. It's a 4-4. Four, four. It says, this spell costs three generic less to cast if you have nine or more cards in your graveyard. Flying. When Capricious Hellraiser enters the battlefield, exile three cards at random from your graveyard. Uh, choose a non-creature, non-land card from among them and, and copy it. Uh, you may cast a copy without paying its mana cost. What do you think, Lux? I mean, honestly, they, can you imagine like copying, they say, Chandra's Fury or Ooh, yeah, the Decree of Annihilation? The, the, yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're like you can cheat on the mana cost really hard with this, um, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think like a six mana four four dragon. That that's like that's a really heavy mana red mana cost, right? Like you're not splashing this in a deck with three colors, are you? No, they. This is gonna be a purely mono oh, red and thing. A purely mono red thing. Like, you're getting this, you know, you're having to put your, you know, something in the, like, yeah, like, I guess what I'm trying, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Like, it's six mana for a 4-4. Four, four. You've got to have something good in your graveyard for this to be really good. It's only on, it's an end of the battlefield trigger, so it's hard to repeat it in red. Um, it's not like you can get a lot of ways to blink in red uh, with your Capricious Hellraiser, which is what you kind of want to do. Like, you want to exile something potent and cast it for cheap. But it feels like less of a plan today than it once did. Any thoughts, Alex? Like, am, I, am, I off, am I off base? Nope. I'm just saying that they, I've always believed that this is the main problem for red, is that most of the good stuff have high mana costs, but no, not really any way to ramp up yeah. the mana. Yeah, we hear for sure. All right. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, sure. let me pull it up. <clears throat> next up, we have the Mycosynth Gardens. The Sphere. Ooh. Yeah, like that's a new land type right yes, there. Yes, it is. All right, what does this do? Hand tap, add one colorless. One generic tap, add one oh, mana of okay. any color, 
X in a generic tap. The Microsynth Gardens become a target copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. Oh. oh. That's cool. <laughs> like, you're going to play this one because it fixes your mana. Pretty easy. If you're a multicolored deck, you're going to fix your mana with those Microsynth Gardens. It doesn't ramp you, but it fixes your mana, I, don't, I think. But then, when you have now fixed your mana, and you can spend X in a tap, copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. So, I don't know. Like, what, what, what are your thoughts there, Lux, about, like, Microsoft Gardens? I mean, like, I mean, honestly, like, this seems really good because they are just so many sweet artifacts that you can make a copy of. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, for sure. For sure. Um, all right, should we move on? Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, mono green players, listen up. Here's your girl, uh, Nissa Ascended Animist. Three green, green, Phyrexian green, Phyrexian green. So it's got the same text as a reminder text that if it spells the green on the soccer field. Why am I reading that that way? That's weird. Okay, so Nissa is uh, lots of green. She's completed. Uh, if you choose to spend the uh, life instead of the paying the green, she's going to come in with two fewer uh, loyalty counters. So you're getting. Um, yeah, so it comes, so you'd be coming in as a five mana with three loyalties, which is much less good. Um, so you pay, you're probably want, looking to pay, uh, pay full fare for Nissa, I think. Uh, plus one, create an XX green Phyrexian horror creatures token, where X is Nissa ascended Saint Ancients, or sorry, ascended Animus loyalty. Wow. That's going to be spicy, too. You know. Yeah, so you're going to be creating Phyrexian Horrors that are huge. Uh, destroy target artifact or enchantment is a minus one, which seems good. And until end of turn, creatures you control get plus one plus one for each force you control and each end game trample. So you just closed out the game with your creature. Like, this is yeah. like Crater Hoof level finisher. Yeah. So, yeah, she's good. <laughs> I mean, like, like I said, like, this is why, like, I'm wanting to build Phyrexian decks now, because, like, we are getting such sweet stuff. Yeah, she's pretty sweet. She's right up there. Um, and uh, she's not going to be cheap, because, I mean, if we can play Crater Hoof Behemoths, we're going to play Nis Nissa Ascendant Animus, because even if you come in and you can hit only cast her at, like, let's call it five instead of seven... You can, you know, actively, you know, see for herself, like, what's going on. So, I like it. I like it. All right. Next. And next up, we have Staff of Completion. For three generic, you get an artifact. Tap, pay one life, destroy target permanent you own. And tap, pay two life, add one mana of any color. They pay three life, proliferate. Oh. 
pay four life, draw a card, then five generic, untap staff of completion. So this is piggybacking off staff of dominations, um, templating, isn't it now? And these cards yep. all seem relevant. Like, I'll start all these modes seem relevant. Um, <coughs> yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't like this card. The only problem with it is it gets a little heavy on the life sacrificing. But there's lots of strategies that are quite prepared to have their life total go low. Um, particularly if, you know, you can find ways to tap it on top, staff of completion, and uh, proliferate a bunch of times. Um, you could find you've just poisoned your opponents out of the board and they can't find anything. So, um, I think the card's good. I mean, I don't think it's going to be see a lot of play, but I think the card's good. Any thoughts, Lux, on Alpha Completion? I, mean, I might find some use for it if I pull it. Right. They get a draft or a pre release, but. I'm not going to be going out of my no, way to get it, though. For sure. All right, next we have... What do we got here? Oh, this card is dirty. Is this me? Okay, two in green for a 4-4. Four, four. Okay, Wizards. I know Power Creep is real. But two in a green for a 4-4. Four, four. Come on, man. That is getting crazy. We're getting, like... Next thing you know, we're going to be four fours for two. But... As if a 4-4 four, for four, 3 was not enough, Lux. There is more. It's got Trample. Are you interested? How about if it has Toxic yes. 1? Okay. <laughs> then check this out. What if, what if whenever Bloated Contaminator deals combat damage to a player, proliferate? Good grief. <laughs> like, okay, Mono Green decks didn't need help. Wizards, Green doesn't need the help anymore. <laughs> no, like seriously, like like I appreciate all the goodies that Green's getting, but we really Ooh, don't need any more of this. Like, oh my goodness! So yeah, um, I think this card is like super pushed and is going to be like it may not be in a million decks, but I think the card is very good and making it in lots of decks. So just out of reality, what do we got next? <clears throat> and up we have Conduit of Worlds. For two generic, green, green, you get an artifact. You may play lands from your graveyard. Tap, choose target non-land permanent card in your graveyard. If you haven't cast a spell this turn, you may cast that card. If you do, you can't cast additional spells this turn. Activate only as a sorcery. Uh -huh. You may play, play cards through, land cards through your graveyard. Always good text to see on a card, right? Like, you're never sad to see that. Tap, choose yep. target non-land permanent card in, a, in your graveyard. If you haven't cast a spell this turn, you may cast it that turn. If you do, you will cast... If you do, you can't cast additional spells this turn. That's pretty cool. That's a cool ability. I think the, tap of, the, tack, tap, the sacrifice ability... If you can't cast a spell this turn, you may cast that turn. Yeah, no, I think it's just cool. I'm uh, pretty excited. Um, I love to see more things where we can play lands from our graveyards, so I think that's pretty yeah. neat. I mean, they, they, if you watch that and uh, little interview they did on Phyrexia, 
Obi-Wan. I mean, this is basically Ellis Nord's version of yeah, in yeah, the world uh, tree. So, yep, they could make it what she calls realm breaker. All right, up next, Pekuthal Inquiry Dominus. That's me now, right? I gotta read this one. Oh. Two blue blue for a three yep. five flying, and it says, uh, "If you would proliferate, proliferate twice instead." Dad. Oh. <laughs> that is just. I, I don't know the state of this card because, like, yeah. So, flying, proliferate, proliferate twice instead. One blue, blue, or hybrid, hybrid, blue. Remove three counters from among other artifacts you control. Planeswalkers you control. Put an indestructible counter on Tech Without Inquiry Dominus. So, like, you're just like. One mana makes this thing indestructible by removing counters off stuff where you've already got counters. And then, if you would proliferate, which of course you're going to proliferate, you're proliferating twice, it's just going to spew things all over the place. This card is broken. Uh, I mean, like, we've, we've seen proliferate being a super powerful mechanic um, in infect decks. Or in other decks looking to put counters on all sorts of things. And Tekuthal is going to get you there, I think. Uh, any thoughts on Tekuthal? Are you excited? Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, like, yeah, I am. Like, I was going to mention is that, like, yes, this set has mm -hmm. some busted cards. But so far, it's looking as though we're not going to have a, another situation like we did with New Phyrexia. Where it literally just broke open the like, several different formats, like standard, modern. They yeah, it just completely I, I, I warped them. With you, I think what we're seeing right now is is not the warping of the format, but rather than people are having to adjust to it, and I think that adjustment's healthy. So I see I see nothing wrong. Yeah, because like, like I'm sure you will agree with me. We don't need another and uh, no. set like new. Phyrexia. My only thing with this is that um, there are definitely a few cards that are pushing into. Um, I don't know, that are pushing into, I don't know, like, all sorts of things, like, yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm losing my train of thought, so anyway, we'll just skip it. Uh, we have one more card here to go before we, we wrap up um, this segment. We have Ickermore Gauntlet. Is this, this is you, isn't it? Maybe it's me. I got it. I'll do I'll do it. Anyway. Ikrimor Gauntlet. Two and a blue. Two and a blue. That's all. Artifact. Planeswalkers you control have zero proliferate and minus 12 take an extra turn after this one. And then it also says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, choose a counter on target permanent. Probably on a planeswalkers. And then and put an additional counter of that kind on that permanent. I think this card is crazy. <laughs> so if we thought that, yeah. that Tekuthal and Mondrak were kind of nutty, and that they both like double in a particular sort of effect... This thing is bananas. If you're a creature-heavy deck, or sorry, a Planeswalker-heavy deck, in which there are lots, 
There are lots of creature-heavy decks out there. Uh, not creature. Planeswalker-heavy decks out there that are going to just abuse this, and you're not going to be able to know what hit them. So, yeah, no, I... Uh, we're just, I, I think this card and Tekuthal and a few others are just crazy. Like, they're just great. great. They're just, and they're going to be these cards that are super expensive for a long yeah. time to come. So, yeah. Yeah, the, I was going to mention is that, like, on I think spoiler, like, the, yeah. the link that this card's in, they down in the previews, and there's in a uh, Kazmina, and you remember back in Strixhaven how her and, like, profile basically said that she was trying to build an army in preparation for a interplanetary conflict that right, would yeah. eclipse the War of the Spark. What like, what if this, what we're seeing right now, what if this is what she was in a foreseeing and was preparing yeah, for? I think you're right. Like, I think you're totally onto something there. I think from a lore standpoint, you're right onto it. And she was, whoever, whatever organization Kazmina belongs to, and they've always led us, led us to belong to believe that she's part of some sort of hidden order. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. You're onto something right there. This because let me tell you, they we've already seen it several times over. The Phyrexians, they Nicol Bolas was nothing compared to Phyrexia. Yeah. yeah, I also find the comments are funny too because people are like, kind of look at this and think this is clearly yeah. like very powerful and, and like potentially quite breakable. Because I think if you have a if you're playing uh, you know three or four planeswalkers and they can all proliferate, and then so you're all pushing their life their 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 totals up. One of them is going to get to twelve, and you're going to be able to ultimate the thing. It's just undeniable. Yeah, and see the fact that, like, the fact that it doesn't name a specific yeah. planeswalker; it yeah, just yeah. says planeswalker. Planeswalker. So multiple of your planeswalkers are going to be getting this bonus. Yes. So, like, any of the like, any of them that you have on the field at that point, yeah, yeah. like they're going to be getting those. Abuse. Yeah, I think the card is looting tunes just really i really do and like they're pushing the power on a bunch of these cards and it's showing it's very much showing yeah yeah and let me tell you they honestly i have a feeling that i know which piece walker people are going to be using this um with. i can imagine many of them but uh i'm actually like i'm thinking this is the, like the, the biggest one that, this is yeah yeah I mean, honestly, mate, if I, I'm telling you right now, if I'm playing a game and I see this card be used with any of the Teferis, yeah, I'm like, just, yeah. Like, I'm no yeah, you're like, oh, I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm done. conceding here. Like, this thing is, like, this plus Teferi just, like, match just feels bad. Just feels bad. All right. Yeah, they, like, I'm just saying, like, I am not going that's to let fair. myself I be embarrassed like that. So, all right, all right, folks. That's all the Phyrexian previews we're gonna go for. Go in for tonight. We could do more. Um, they are available at Scryfall.com and looking under the. Uh, I believe it is. Let's go see. Uh, no, not there. Yeah. So it would. Yeah, I'm not sure how quite how to describe it, but I mean, the fun cards, very powerful cards. I think are like more so than some sets. Like some sets, like where the power level isn't so obvious, and we have to play for them for a bit. Um, I think Streets of New Capenna is that way, where we have, like, Ledger Shredder that came out of it and a few other, like, really unlicensed Hearse, which are both really good, very powerful cards if you can get them online. I think these are, like, yep. Te Tekuthal and Mondrak are just clubbing you over the head saying, 
come, you know, check it out. So. Alright, moving on to segment three. So, this week's deck there, folks, I found a new a new commander uh, from Phyrexia All Will Be One uh, called Vishgraz the Doomhive. And I was really excited for this card, so I built it. So, Vishgraz for two white, black, green, so Abzan colored. You get a 3 3 Phyrexian insect, and it has Menace. Sorry, it's also legendary, so you can play it in your command zone. Um, so, you have um, Menace and Toxic 1. Seems like a good combination to make it difficult to block. And then whenever Vishgraz the Doomhire uh, enters the battlefield, create 3-1-1 Crisis Church might uh, artifact creatures just from... Oh, what is it? With... Uh... Oh, I forgot, I lost my track. So it enters the battlefield, create three 1 1 colorless Phyrexian might artifact creature tokens with Toxic 1. This creature can't block, and then Vishgraz gets plus 1 plus 1 for each poison counter your opponent has. Um, I really like this card. I think this card is re immediately my brain started whirling there, Lux. I was looking in two different directions whether I wanted to make this a blink deck to maximize the in and out of play, or if I want to go with Reanimator. And I think in the end, I've ultimately landed. On the side of, um, I forget. I forgot my where I was going with that one again. Anyway, Ugh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling tonight. We want to come out. Oh yeah, we're blinking him, not rather than reanimating him. So we're blinking him, and we're making tokens, and we're making toxic one tokens. So we're looking to give all our opponents um, a. Poison counter by hopefully either our little things that we blink uh, get back with with uh, Vishgraz. But, um, you know, you want to give them all infect counters and then maybe you can press your advantage and, you know, do that with that. But more importantly, you're, lo you're looking to access the proliferate ability to build those up and, you know, activate Corrupted, which is another mechanic from the set, or just generally poison them right out of the game. So we have a goal. Um, so the goal of this particular deck is to poison your opponents, all of them. And so Toxic and Infect plus Proliferate is the order du jour. You are looking to do those sorts of things in that sort of order. So some key cards that you're going to play in this version of the deck is that you want to blink Vishgraz as many times as you, as you want, as you can, to make a whole bunch of little Toxic guys that can then be a wave of bodies and flails and sizes um, to... You know, just really get to your opponents. Um, so you're looking for some key cards to go along with Vishgraz to blink them. So you're going to want Panharmonicon, Telepreciation Circle, Conjurer's Closet, Elish Norn, uh, Mother of Racine, to, uh, Mother uh, sorry, Elish Norn, Mother of Racines to protect token or uh, non-token uh, non creatures. Uh, you're looking at things like, um, again, Wondrak. Um, so. Um, you want Mother uh, Elish Norn, you want Anointed Procession, Mondrak, and then I guess Sorth of Hearth and Home, which is the white one, uh, white and green one. So you're looking to blink Vishgraz. So, yeah. And then and you're going to find, like, the reason I'm like a little bit hesitant with this because it's going to be quite expensive, because the cards that are integral in this sort of Tokeny strategy are difficult, they're expensive to come by. So, um, 
Now that your opponents all have a poison counter, we can go about proliferating stuff with things like Evolution Stage, Contaminant Grafter, Parkheist Maverick, Quatley's Raptor, and Plain White Celebration. So I think those sorts of cards are dynamite in this sort of deck to really allow your 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 other stuff to come to come to fruition. Uh, you've got some ways to you know put. I guess just just yeah. Just, I'm getting frustrated with my words here. I'm not explaining this very well, but um, yeah, you can proliferate your opponents out of the game and hopefully you know ride that to victory. Um. The weirdest card in this deck, I think, is Sarah the Viper's Fang, which is the, which is a card. Um, where did I put that card? Sarah the Viper Fang from, uh, looks like Midnight Hunt, and it says other uh, creatures, other top creatures you control get have Death Touch. Other untapped creatures you control have Hex Hexproof. So yeah, we're we'll using it. we we'll be looking to take a bus. What am I talking about? I'm just, uh, anyway. Um, other new cards that I think are going to be in this, was well, quite a number of them because of the Toxic support. So you're going to play, obviously you're playing Vishgraz. You're playing Elish Norn. Ixcel, which is, uh, Atraxa's Scion. And if we want to read her quick, I think she's actually pretty neat too. Uh, one white, black, green for a 2-5 Legendary Creature of Phyrexian Angel. The Flying, Vigilance, and Toxic 4. Sorry, Toxic 2. Um, at the beginning of your end step, each opponent who has three or more. Um, yeah, but Excel is pretty neat. So at the beginning of your end step, each opponent who has three or more poison counters exiles the top card of their library face down. You may look at and play those cards for as long as uh, they remain exiled. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. So that's just a fun ability to derive a lot of value from what looks like a sedentary creature and could not be able would not be able to teach. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so all these things are, are pretty neat. Other new cards include uh, Elish Norn, uh, Mondrak, again, because of uh, Anointed Procession. Necrogen Rot Priest is going to double the number of infect or poison counters that somebody's going to get. Uh, Contaminant Grafter is another one that uh, turns... Soft land into um, Tenor Grafter turns and like this allows you to proliferate whenever you deal combat damage with it to a player, and then Glistening Sphere, which I think is another interesting one with the, the oil mechanic. The budget for this is a little bit more expensive, this is around $330. Um, because you're running a lot of expensive craters, which are expensive. So, Elish Norm Mother Machines is like still listed at $48. Uh, the deck has. A Mondrak, which again hasn't been released yet, is at 45. Uh, you're playing a Vorinclex Monsters Raider, which is at 50. So, like, right there, you're talking, like, you know, $1,300, $130 in deck costs. So, if you can find a way to shrink those costs, then go ahead and have Little League, because I am tired. So, um, but yeah, so that's the deck. Hundred, It's like $330 for the deck, Lux. What do you think? And definitely yeah, something I'd try to build. Yeah. Like, they, they, over time, that is. Like, I wouldn't try to... Yeah, this is a project you, you you undertake for a few over a few months so that you're not on the hook to trying to buy all these cards all at once because I think that's going to be a surefire way to go badly. That's my own thought. 
Um, but I like Excel as a neat card in this deck. I think that's a that's a really neat ability. Um, I think Contaminant Grafter is kind of kind of wonky too. I think that one's pretty neat. Um, the spells are, let's be honest, for most folks are pretty um, routine at this point. We're not getting a lot of really interesting spells from the set so far, although maybe something emerges. But lots of interesting creatures. So anyway, very cool, very nice. All right, Lux, we move to wrap it up. All right. Uh, well, that was going to wrap yep. up this week's show. Um, thanks very much for spending the time with us this week. Always appreciated that people stop by and, uh, and check us out. Um, if you want to leave us some feedback, you can always read, uh, reach out to us on social media. You can find us at uh, our email at theepexperimentpodcast at gmail.com. The link to that's in the show notes down below, so you can always go find, the, find us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter at at epic exp cast all one word again link is in the show notes so you can go and find us there if you like our deck or want to see see it up close and have a close look at it you can go to moxfield.com please use the username the epic experiment podcast um and then uh if as as a furthermore if you whatever your favorite application is to check us out whether you're on apple uh podcast google podcasts spotify um, Amazon, whatever you're listening to, um, like, follow, leave a question, subscribe. Every little bit helps get the word out there that we're here. We're talking. Uh, we're continuing to 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 record and get put content out for you guys to enjoy. Uh, and we'd love to have more of you join us each and every week. So if you tell a friend, um, or whatnot. So uh, we'd love to hear from more people all the time. Uh, up next, we're going to have, uh, I'm sh- next week, I'm planning on having our judge, our judge Liam, come and join us. So if, if you want to hear how Phyrexia Albi 1 uh, works, so that you don't make a rule mistake when you are playing with your friends, by all means, come and check it out with Judge Liam and us. All right. Um, but until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off, wishing you the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon.